You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Let's stand together as we reverence the reading of God's Word and let's look at uh, verse 12 of Romans 8. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God." For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please add the blessing to the reading of your word. And I thank you for a people that want to hear the word and study the word and know what God says and what he means by what he says. And help me, Lord, as a minister to interpret and to, and to teach and to explain and to exposit these verses as you meant for them to be understood. And uh, Holy Spirit of God, you will do the teaching, not me, but help me to be a tool today. We give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Now let me bring us all up to, uh, up to uh, speed here. We started about three weeks ago on these verses. Expositing these verses, but I've done it in a little different way. Although we have done word by word, phrase by phrase, I've actually broken these verses up into theological issues, theological themes, theological terms, if you would. And there are five of them that I see. You may be able to get some more out of them. I don't know, but these are the five that I see that Paul covers in these short verses. And uh, so, first of all, we talked about depravity. And then we talked about uh, condemnation. In verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And God told Adam and Eve, In the day ye eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of you shall die. And they died immediately spiritually, and then they began to die physically. And we are condemned without Christ. We will suffer condemnation. And God doesn't need witnesses. He's omniscient. He doesn't need a jury. There really doesn't need to be a trial. If you are lost, you're condemned, John 3 says already. And then, though, those of us that have trusted Christ as our Savior, who've placed faith in Christ, we have been sanctified. Now, there I could have said regenerated or had a new birth or whatever. But, but look at verse 13. The last part of it said, but, it says, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, what this is talking about is... Regeneration, 
You're born again. Positionally, you are saved and sanctified, set apart. But also, there is a progressive work of sanctification that happens in every believer's life. Now, did you hear what I said? Every believer's life. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The Bible says, He that has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. But the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for us. Anyway, you get it. There's uh, progressive sacrifice. Then we talked about mortification. It says there in verse 13 again, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. And here is something we don't talk enough about, and that is mortification, or if you would, repentance. And I like what Jim Elliff, he had that little track. I have it and, uh, in, the back, in the back if you want one. But it, it's called the repenting, unrepentant repenter. Or the, uh, repenting, I can't think. But anyway, what he's saying is we ought to all be, as Christians, we are repenting repenters. We repented of our sin. We changed our heart, mind, and soul. What about our sin? And now it is our lifelong desire, duty, and goal to kill sin in our life. Okay, so we talked about that. You have to go back to the sermon and listen to it. We spent the whole last sermon on that, uh, uh, the first sermon on that mostly. But then we came last week to adoption. Now, the very word automated everybody in this house smile. God has adopted us into his family, chosen us to be his children and adopted us and brought us into the family. We believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we did, we became the children of God. Woo, glory to God. That's good. So we started talking about that, and we said a lot about that last week. But we were at this point, we were in the middle of a few little subpoints that I'm going to go over, and we were looking at five gracious benefits of being adopted by God that we see in these verses. And so that's where we kind of start today. I'm going to go through the ones we've already done. Number one, we are led by the Spirit. If you're adopted by God, you have the Spirit of God in you, on you, around you, and you are led by the Spirit of God, and we talked about that. Number two, we are liberated by the Spirit. We have been freed from fear. I don't have to fear death anymore. I don't have to fear uh, 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 my future. I've trusted in Christ. The Spirit's in me. I've been born again. I've been sanctified. That happened once, and He forgave my sins past, present, and future, I know because God said this is the promise that he promised me, even eternal life, that one day when I die, I'm going to heaven. Anybody else got that assurance in here? I mean, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be in bondage to fear about my future. I don't have to worry, did I sacrifice enough? Did I do enough good deeds? Listen, nobody could have done that. Jesus did it. And it's because of his imputed righteousness that I am going to heaven. And not only did he just save me from my sin, he adopted me into his family. He gave me the spirit to lead me and he liberated me. And number three, we are loved by the Father. He says, don't call me father. Don't, don't, uh, well, we do call him father. We ought to reverence and respect him. But he said, but listen, you can call me daddy. 
Abba Father. That is a, 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 a Arabic term which is very informal. It means intimate relationship, much like we'd say daddy or papa or something like that. And God loves us and wants a relationship like a father and a child. Can you believe that? God, y'all are not hearing me. Maybe we need two microphones on. God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. He did it with the word of his mouth. Says he wants to be your intimate father. You can come and approach his throne anytime. We have an advocate with a father. His, our big brother, Jesus Christ. And we come to him. We can approach the throne, calling and crying out, Daddy. That's something else. What a statement. Now, that brings us up to what we're going to be preaching on today, and i got to go a little faster. But uh, you folks need to listen quicker. <laughs> Number four, we are legitimized by the Spirit. You say, why do you choose that word? Because it was the only L word I could think for this point. But it kind of gets the point across. Legitimize. What does that mean? Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself, now listen, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now listen, I'll ask you something. Have you ever said to yourself, I, I'm not a, I can't be saved. I, a person who, who is saved wouldn't do the things that I do. Has anybody else said that besides me? Okay, the rest of you lying and you know it. <laughs> I mean, how can I be saved and think those thoughts? How can I be saved and do those things? And, and sometimes I condemn myself. Well, you may condemn yourself often, but the Spirit continuously and all testifies that you are a child of God. Amen. That's good preaching. I needed that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself bears with us our spirit. We are the children of God. Roman law dictated there must be at least seven witnesses to testify to the legitimacy of an adoption. And it's interesting to me, and I'm, just, this is, I'm not saying this is what this means, I'm not, but, but it's interesting to me that the Holy Spirit is described as being seven spirits at one point in the Bible. The Spirit does this in two ways. He testifies of our legitimacy in two ways. Number one, through the change that is brought in our lives when we were born again. Amen. When you are saved, my friend, you are going to change. And I have, I was grown, I grew up hearing preachers tell me, no, there's no change. You know, repentance comes later. I don't believe that. I believe that you repent and place faith in Christ. And then the Bible says this, as we have been studying, the Spirit of God comes to indwell us. Is that not what it said? Yes. He's in us. He's on us. He's around us. He's ours. We're His. Now, the Bible says that the, that, uh, the, that the gospel is the power unto what? Salvation. Salvation. Do you know what the word power is? Dunamis. The word from which we get dynamite, it's the Greek word, dynamos or some form of that. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know a couple. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Let's take a real stick of dynamite. 
Now, y'all have heard this illustration before. Those of you here, some of you hadn't. Let's take a real stick of dynamite. Let's drop it in your back pocket. Let's light that fuse and wait till it goes off. And I want to ask you something. If that happens to you, will it not change your life? Are you telling me you believe that you can drop the spirit of almighty, holy God down to your soul and it doesn't make a difference? The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. I'm sorry, but when you get saved, you begin to start being sanctified by his spirit and you grow closer to Christ. Oh yeah, there's seasons of backsliddenness. Yes, there's seasons where we get in sin. And yes, we're not perfect. But my friend, the graph is all, it may have ups and downs, but the average is going up. It's going to go up. It may go low, but it's coming back up. Why? Because you are filled, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a one-time act that happens when you got saved, not something subsequent later for the super Christians. So that's the first way the Spirit testifies. I remember, Brother Don, I got saved. I was eight years old. How many kids are in here that are eight years old? Anybody eight, nine? Nine, eight or nine years old? Penny, put your hand down. <laughs> I remember, I remember when I, I was eight years old when I got saved. Well, you know, I've told y'all this before. There wasn't much change that happened in my life because my mama was real mean. I mean, she, like I told you, she had a switch that reached every room in our house. So I was a pretty good kid on average. I was a rascal. I was a sinner. And after I did truly get saved, I just loved the Lord. I, I did. And God put a love for preaching and love for church and love for things that has not gone away since. But every once in a while, I think to myself, how do I know that I really am a child of God? And it wasn't, Brother Jimmy, it wasn't until I got into my high school years where I started seeing the difference between me and my fellow so-called Christians. I didn't want to go to the drinking parties. Oh, I did. Part of me wanted to, but I, I, I didn't want to want to. You know what I mean? I wanted to go to church, and the only time my friends, so-called Christian friends, want to go to church is softball season so they could play on the softball team because you had to go to church to play on the softball team. And I started seeing a difference. And I thought to myself, I'm just a holy roller. I'm just, I'm, you know, I don't have friends. I'm not good at sports. I'm little. I, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, what, I'm just, why am I so different? Why, why do I not want to have some of those desires and why, that they have? And why do I not have some of the desires that they have and have some of the desires that they don't have? And I started seeing that there was a difference in my life. And it's not because Ron Owen is a goody two-shoes. It's because Ron Owen was saved. Amen. Saved. And one of the witnesses of the Spirit to us is that we are changed. He changes us. The second thing is through the fruit of the Spirit that we will produce, which is basically the same thing, but it's the other side. We, we, we kind of repent of the things that we used to love, and now we hate the things that we used to love, and we love the things we used to hate, and we bear fruit. We bear fruit. Now listen, I'm not talking about just being a good boy scout and helping someone across the street with their groceries. 
It goes a little bit deeper than that. We just read in Acts a bunch of uh, barbarians on the island of Malta. Uh, now they may just have been not Greek. Uh, you know, there's some uh, barbarian the way we think about it. But they were people who were not Christians, and they were very kind to Paul and these people who just had a shipwreck. There is human decency, but it's more than that. It's a love for the Word of God, a love for the gospel, a love for missions, a love for the things of the Lord, a love for the fellow Christians, a love for the witnessing, a love for prayer, a love for the Word, a conviction to do these things. Now listen, I don't always want to read the Bible. I'm, a, I'm the preacher. It's my job, and I don't, I don't always want to pray. I don't always want to be. I always don't always want to be around people, but that's just a fleshly, temporary thing. The heart desire of this man up here is to be surrounded by Christ and everything he wants and everything he is. And I am going to bear the fruits of the tree that God has made me. And if you want to know what the fruits of the Spirit are, you'll have to go over to Galatians and read them. I'm not going through them, but we will bear the fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit, number one, witnesses to us. I don't believe in being ooky spooky about religion. I, I don't believe that. I don't think you ought to sit around waiting for say, Brother Ron, I got a I just I got this feeling it might have been onions. <laughs> might have been onions. We don't go by ooky spooky feelings, we go by the truth of God's word, but there is providence. There is providence, and the Bible says if you're welcome with the Lord, separate from sin, that you have the mind of Christ, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And therefore, you will have desires that you want to do, and he will give them to you. That's the leading of the Spirit. He witnesses to us. We hear him. We feel his drawing. And then number two, the Spirit, actually it's number four in this little outline here, the Spirit witnesses to the Father. I just had to put this in there. This is not necessarily in the verses, but the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father. It's Jesus Christ, but also the Spirit of God. When the devil comes around the throne accusing you of being a sinner, the Holy Spirit is around the throne accusing you of being a child of God. He's covered. He's got the blood. He's been changed. He's been regenerated. He's yours, Father. Don't listen to that old devil. Hallelujah. All right. Got to go on. We are led by the Spirit. We're, we're liberated by the Spirit. We're loved by the Father. We're legitimized by the Spirit. And fifthly, we are legal heirs. Legal heirs. Now, here we go. This is where we wanted to get to today. Legal heirs. If we are children, it stands to reason that we will inherit from our Father. Seems like I've heard that somewhere. Ah, yeah, verse 7 it says, If children, then heirs. <laughs> God said it. Don't take my word for it. Listen to what God says. If we are children of His, we're heirs of His. There's two massive statements here that we should have shouted about. Two massive statements here that we should have been moved by. Now listen. We are heirs of of God. Now y'all didn't know my mom and daddy, but we, my mom and dad raised seven children. We were poor. 
very poor most of my life. Of course, I didn't know that. I thought we were rich, but but we were poor. My dad was a printer. My mother was a homemaker, and and uh, we uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We lived in a house. I found out years later when we sold it, they bought this house. It's a little Cracker Jack box house with about four rooms in it for fifteen hundred dollars back in the '66 or so, about a year before I was born. And they raised seven kids in that little bitty house. And when my mom and dad died, my brothers and sisters and I had to fight over the bills that needed to be paid. <laughs> and everything we got from my mom and dad were basically trinkets. I have pocket knives of my dad. I have his old wallet. It didn't have any money in it. That's the bad thing. No, we didn't, we didn't have much to inherit except the things that meant a lot to us. Mother had some jewelry. My sister stole from the rest of us. <laughs> there just wasn't much there. There wasn't a lot of inheritance. That's some of you. And maybe, maybe you were blessed. You had parents that had a lot. And they did leave you some things. And, and it's more the sentiment than the, the value of it. It was mom and daddy's, especially if it was a loving, wonderful relationship. But my friend, we're talking about God. Y'all have heard me sing the little song, My Father Owns a Cattle on a Thousand Hills. The stars and sun that shine, the valleys, the wealth of the rocks and rills, the wealth in every mine, wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. And he's my daddy, so they're mine as well. Can you believe, Austin, can you believe that you are an heir of God Almighty? Is that not amazing, Miss Barbara? I mean, and these are two good people I just pointed out. You know, how about me? How in the world could I ever attain to being an heir, a child of God Almighty? The French writer of the Middle Ages, Francios or Francios, Rebellious. He was a French writer who was also a Franciscan friar, which means he was a part of a Christian sect, uh, Catholic, I believe. But he was a, a friar, which made him a French <laughs> friar. <laughs> Y'all should have got that a little bit faster than that, people. I can understand. Calhoun. All right. I've been waiting all week to use that. <laughs> all right, I got to go quicker than this, people. He made the following will. This is what he left in his will. I owe much. I possess nothing. I give the rest to the poor. <laughs> How different with God. God owns every, God owes nothing. He possesses everything, and he gives it all to his children. First Peter 1 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, let me tell you something. This inheritance costs a lot. 
the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. But verse 4, He has to us given an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen? I tell you what, we love to tell Adrian and Allison, listen, there ain't going to be any inheritance. Your mom and I are going to spend it all before we die. And what little we have and the things that you get one day will be trash to the next generation, will be meaningless to the third and fourth generation, and will turn to dust and corrupt. But the inheritance that you and I get in God lasts eternally, will be enjoyed eternally, and will be uh, 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 helpful eternally. Isn't that awesome? We are heirs of God. Then listen to this statement. And join heirs with Jesus Christ. <laughs> join heirs with our big brother, Jesus Christ. One might ask, what does this inheritance consist of? What, what are we going to inherit with Christ? Well, we're going to inherit, inherit whatever Christ inherits. But let me give you a little something because I like this little outline here. Let me give you a few things that we will inherit. You ready? Uh, number one, we get the family home. Hang on. <laughs> Woo! We get the family home. My mama's already there. My daddy's already there. Friends and loved ones are there. John 14, 1, and I don't believe this is spiritualized at all. I think he meant it literally. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going, Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And my friend, the Bible says our inheritance includes a place that we will live, the Father's house. And and I've heard a lot of times, you know, the King James Version, I think the New King James says mansions too. And a lot of people say, you know, it's not really mansion. It just means dwelling places. Uh, that's fine with me. It's going to be in the Father's house. I just guarantee you God lives in a mansion. I believe he lives in something. He tells us about the city he's coming down in. Amen. We're going to read about that in just a minute. And that is the home that you and I will live in with the Father, with our brothers and sisters, with our loved ones who've gone before, with the angels, with the saints of old, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we'll sing and shout and worship God and do his work forever. I'm getting to that. The family home. Number two, we get the family estate. The family estate, heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 32, down, down lower in, in uh, chapter 8 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So whatever God owns, we own. Whatever God has, we have. Whatever God is. Now let me tell you something. It's easy. And you know why a lot of people shy away from uh, heaven stuff and pie in the sky stuff? is because it seems too materialistic. And I agree with that. You can get too materialistic. Let me ask you something. What good is gold streets going to be when all of them are gold? I wonder if in heaven asphalt's going to be worth a lot. You know? 
but it's going to be a place of beauty. We won't need riches. We won't need food, but I think we'll eat. We won't need air, but I bet it's fresh. We won't need exercise, but I bet we run. We won't need to speak, probably, but I bet we'll shout. We get the estate. Number three, we get the family resemblance. First John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it, does not yet, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that, we will be, that when He is revealed, excuse me, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We get the family resemblance. We're going to be like Jesus, perfect, without sin. Now, we won't be God, but we'll be like Him. We'll have a glorified body. And then lastly, we inherit the family business. We inherit the family business. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. We will be, we will rule with Christ and reign on the new heaven, in the new heaven and the new earth in the millennial state. We are bound to be rulers, righteous rulers with God and with Christ who holds the rod of iron in his own hand. Now that's it. It's not bad for rebellious, godless, sinful worms like me and you. It's not bad for God-haters. Oh, I've never hated God. Oh, the Bible says you did. You were at an enmity with God. You were not subject to the law of God. You could not be. But God in His mercy and His grace came to you and He opened your heart and your eyes. You called on the name of the Lord. You were saved and you became a child of God. And when you became a child of God immediately, you became an heir of all things. Are you hearing me today? Is this going to help you with your assurance? Help you to kill that sin and seek for righteousness? That's my goal. Lastly, the very last thing is this. Glorification. Go ahead, Riley. There it is. Glorification. We start out with depravity, but bless God, God changed us from condemnation to sanctification. We hate sin. We fight it. And we've been adopted. And one day, he promises to glorify us. Go look down. Look down in verse... Uh, I'm going to get to this, and we're going to study it in particular. But look down in verse 30. Uh, verse 29. Right after verse 28, we all love it. It says, For, But whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. That is the, the, uh, uh, the uh, effectual call that comes to every believer. And we know this, that this isn't just some general call to all people, because it says, Whom he called, these he justified. Not everybody's justified. But that's not the point. We'll get to that here in a few weeks. And whom he justified, these he also, what? Glory what? Fied. I want to tell you, I'm looking at Brother Fred here and a couple others. Y'all don't look glorified. And you say, well, you don't either. You're probably right about that. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Fred would be the first to say, if this is glorification, I don't need it. He's had shingles for a month, bless his heart. That's a, that's a very good illustration, Brother Fred. 
Why did he say we're glorified, Miss Penny? Why? Because, my friend, when God promises something, it might as well already be considered as already have happened. You're as sure for heaven right now as you will be when you've been there 10,000 years. You're as sure for heaven as you will be when you've been there a million years. We have our inheritance and eternal life. We've already talked about that. But he says this. Now, look, we've got to get into our text here. I get so excited about these things. Look back at our text and look at verse 17. It says, if children and heirs, heirs of God, join heirs of Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. I want to tell you there's some suffering in this life still to happen, Brother Fred, isn't it? If it isn't from just old sin and just this old wicked world that gives us diseases and things, it's our own sinfulness that brings it on, or it's persecution because we live for Jesus. It's going to happen. If you live for Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. Let me give you a few things. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, i got to go quick. Yes, and all who desire to live God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You say, Brother Ron, I never suffer persecution for Christ. Well, then... Guess what? You're not living godly. Because the Bible says if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Matthew 5.11 said, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven if you suffer for Christ. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. There are those in Christendom who think we should try to get the world to like us. And we need influence. We need to get the world to like Christianity. I want to tell you, it'll never happen if you're a Christian. This has always resulted in compromise of truth and ultimately illegitimacy. False religion. The world is convinced by our manner of, or convicted, excuse me, by our manner of life, and then we open our mouth and declare the gospel, and it causes them to hate us. If you say you're a devoted Christian and the world likes you or loves you, you need to talk to Jesus and teach him how it's done because he couldn't pull it off. When he was here, but most likely what you need to do is examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. If you're not suffering persecution and rejection for the cause of Christ. He said in John 15, if they persecuted me, they're going to also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep your words. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. And Jesus said, I came and, and I took away their cloak. And expose their hypocrisy, and they don't like that. But one man has said the so called health and wealth and prosperity gospel that abounds today are not the true gospel of Christ, but reflects the message of the world. The world's seemingly good news offers temporary escape from problems and hardship. But God has promised his children that in this life they will suffer. Suffer persecution. But the point of our text is seen clearly in 2 Corinthians 4.17. It says, for our light affliction. Now listen, some of you said, well, light affliction, brother, on you and live my life. Go read Acts and look at Paul's life. 
the beatings, the tortures, the imprisonments, the spittings, the, the stoning, the, the, the shipwreck, the snake bites, all that he went through. And he did it with gladness of heart. Yeah, it's a lot of affliction. I've had some doors slammed in my face. I've had some friends leave me because of my Christianity. I've had people cuss me because of my beliefs and outspoken gospel. But it's a lot of affliction, which is but for a moment. And it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, it won't compare to the glory of heaven. The glory of seeing Jesus face to face. The glory of knowing that God is your daddy, your papa. It will not compare. It will not compare. We will be glorified together with Christ. First of all, how amazing is that statement? Now listen, I'm, I'm wrapping up, okay? Listen to this. How amazing is that statement? That we will be glorified together with Christ. Christ deserves it, Aaron. Christ deserves it. He deserves glorification. I deserve damnation. But he is going to share his glory with me. Why in the world? Because he loves Yeah. I don't know. He just says because he loves us. Why does he love us? For his own sake. His own sake. I want everybody to turn to Revelation 19. And I'm going to read. And we will be finished. I'm going to read these scriptures, and it's a little bit, but I want you to read them with me. These are the words of God, so let's stay awake, okay? It's one thing, go to sleep while brother, and nobody is, by the way. I'm just saying that one thing, go to sleep when the preacher's preaching. Another thing, go to sleep when God's talking, amen? <laughs> but I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Roman, uh, Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is Christ. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now listen. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's you and me, friend. I believe that's you and me. Say amen if you're glad of that. White and clean followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with which it, uh, with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Turn over to chapter 20 and verse 4 and I saw thrones. Now listen, I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. These, are, these that are beheaded were, were uh, tribulation saints. I am a pre-tribulation, uh, uh, second coming pre-tribulation rapturist and I'm a premillennialist. And I believe that this happens before the literal thousand years of Christ. If it doesn't, this, none of this makes sense. And they were beheaded, but those on those thrones will be us, I believe, believers, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. 
And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. These are the lost. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Actually, they'll reign with him for eternity. I mean, that's just the start. But look at chapter 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is after the last judgment. All hell has been thrown in into the bottomless pit. Satan and his angels and all evil and those that followed him. And here is the, what we call the eternal state. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea, anything that hurts. Then I, John, saw the holy city or separates, saw the, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God is with men. <laughs> and he will dwell with us, them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and he shall be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Look, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. In other words, it's really going to happen. <laughs> and he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water, of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Are y'all listening to that? Look, if you would, at chapter 21, verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. This is the city. I, I don't have time. You have to go back and read all of it. It has 12 gates and 12 pearls that are made of one pearl each. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Now, let me tell you about the city. It was transparent gold. The streets are gold. The buildings are gold. Trans so pure it's transparent. And the wall is 216 foot thick by my measurements. And that means it's 1,500 foot tall around this 1,500 mile high city. If you're going to take it literally, that's all I know too till I see something different. And if this is symbolic, my goodness, what must reality be, huh? Now look at verse 22. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, uh, shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in it, uh, in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it but there shall no, by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Verse 1 chapter 22 and he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal 
proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. <laughs> Amen. That's enough heaven right there for me. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. I'm almost finished. Now listen to this crescendo. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and forever. God says it a lot better than I can. Remember our original verse, and you have my message. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors.